It is great to be with you guys. Uh, great to be with you. And uh, I want to say this, that I love your pastors. Uh, we met Aaron and Tammy uh, several years ago at a fundraiser for missions. And uh, ever since then, we've been doing fundraisers for missions, traveling the world together. And uh, matter of fact, we just got back from Cuba. And uh, that was a great time. But I will say this, whenever I travel with your pastor, it's expensive. I'm just letting you know that right now. Uh, I, we, I spent $54,000 in Cuba, and it was going for missions, but everywhere we went, I was like, we'll help with that, we'll help with that. And then your church and our church partnered together to buy a vehicle for a missionary, and uh, we are just going around, but I came back and I told our elders, I said, I spent $54,000, don't let me travel with Aaron anymore, all right, but uh, it's good, it's really good. Love what God is doing here, love the excitement, love what I feel, it feels like home, it feels like our church. Of course, we've been here before. Uh, Beck and I came and did some uh, a marriage seminar, and it's good to be back to see some familiar faces. Of course, we uh, lived in Menominee Falls. Our oldest son uh, was born here, and I uh, just want to give you a quick update, show you a picture of me. He was born uh, here, and then we've grown up and just taken him out of here. He's 19 now in college, and uh, his younger brother's 16. You can go ahead and throw that. There you, there you go. There's a picture of the family and uh, the boys send their greeting. They would love to travel with us, but we can't take them everywhere we go. And uh, going so well. Our church has been uh, just growing ever since we started. We left Milwaukee to start River Valley Church. And uh, like was said, it's about 5,000 now. Six campuses in Minnesota. Uh, we do all video. And uh, let me just say this to the video campus that's watching here. Uh, I, we, we are a firm believer in multi-site. Absolutely love it. Uh, and one of the things that people have told me from our campuses, they said, when we're watching on video, if we feel convicted, we know it's the Holy Spirit. You know, they said, sometimes if you're there live, you don't know if the pastor's like, that's you or you, you know. They said, when it's video and we're feeling convicted, it's the Holy Spirit. So you have that benefit that the Germantown campus doesn't have. So welcome to the West Campus, all right. Uh, but it's great. Uh, love multi-site. Love what God's doing. We have one in Spain. And uh, we're getting ready to open a campus in Swaziland. And uh, just wherever God has opened a door, we've said, let's go for it, let's do it, and uh, start another campus. So it's been uh, a great journey, love passion, and love the connection to your pastor, been coaching uh, him for a while, and uh, really it went from a coaching relationship to a friendship, and I love what God's doing. Uh, it was said that I wrote a book, and I did, and I'm going to talk to you about that, uh, the message is coming from there. Uh, but I wrote a book called Change Before You Have To, and it just released this fall. It motivates people how to change and uh, before the crisis hits, because we've all seen people change once the crisis hits. It's written in really short chapters. It's perfect for a small group. Uh, we're selling it, uh, I think, for $10, and if you're not, it's for sale for $10. Now, I charge my church 15 so you're getting it for 10 all right? It's a deal. And uh, they're like, hey, that's not fair. I'm like, it's just the way it works, all right? And uh, if I can, I'll sign some if it works out, but I'd love you to get that. And uh, some people have been doing it for Christmas gifts and uh, giving them out to people and saying, hey, it was a, a speaker we heard, and uh, hint, hint, you might need to change, but uh, it's in there. And it works for you. Husbands, don't buy it for your wife. That's probably not a good idea. But anyways, uh, um, here's how it came about. Uh, my wife and I were out to dinner with some friends and uh, just having a great time. Really good friends of ours. And I was ribbing them. And I said, you know, hey, Mick, if, if something ever happened to your wife, you know, you would be a total basket case. You wouldn't know what to do. And uh, he said, oh, I know. She takes care of everything. And I wouldn't know what to do. Then he said, well, you wouldn't know what to do either if something happened to Becca. 
And I said, oh, I know. I mean, she takes care of everything. And I'm, I don't have a clue what's going on with all the details and all the bills and all that. And she's just so key to my life. I'd be lost without her. And I said, and you know what else? I'd probably have to lose some weight. And all of a sudden, as soon as I said that, I was like, what did I just say? And then my wife was looking at me like, wait, 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 wait. If, if I was to die, you would have to lose weight? And, and I'm thinking for a lie right there in that moment, even as a pastor. And my friend, before I can think of that lie, he goes, what he's saying is he couldn't attract a woman like you looking like that. <laughs> and so my wife was like, whoa, 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 whoa. You would lose weight for a woman that doesn't exist. <laughs> but the woman that loves you, you're content just letting it go. And I was like, yeah, it's pretty bad, isn't it? And she's like, yeah, it's terrible. I said, I will change before I have to. I will go ahead and change and, and, and just pretend I had a heart attack and I will change for the woman that I love that made a vow uh, to me. And I'll go ahead and show you the before and after picture. Go ahead and throw that on the screen here so everybody can see the before and after. So those are my true driver's license photos. And uh, I just kind of let myself go a little bit. And uh, now you know how it inspired the book and the sermon and what we're going to talk about to say, what would it take to change before you have to. So before we get into the message, I want you to watch this quick video and then we'll jump into the message. Somebody came up to me and they said, Pastor Rob, they said, you have a great marriage, great kids. You're up there preaching, you got the spiritual life going on. And yet your physical is so bad. And I was like, yeah, I'm like addicted to Little Debbie snack cakes. You know, I mean, I'm addicted. I got to admit, I was embarrassed. Like 38% body fat and 250 cholesterol. I just thought, wait a minute, I've got to change before I have to. And I have been there. Let me tell you something. I've been at the hospital where the guy has the heart attack and his whole life gets turned upside down. Worse than that, I have been there talking to the widow, devastated because her husband wouldn't change. What do you need to change? This is not like a weight loss clinic, okay? This is what do you need to change spiritually, relationally? Who do you need to forgive? What has God been just hammering on you and hammering on you and saying, it's time to change, it's time to change? We can either change because we have to, or we can change before we have to. How many know that it's way better to change before you have to? Way better. Way better to change before. So there's got to be a key. But most of us wait until we have to change. So is there a key that we could find in the Word of God? And if you have your Bibles, turn to me to 2 Kings chapter 22, because I believe that I found what, what really is for me and what I believe for others, the key to changing before you have to. And I think the key is, is very clearly spelled out in Scripture, and it is in our heart. 
It's in our heart. It's something here that we need to change. And I'm not talking about our blood pumping organ. I am talking about what the Bible talks about, that non-material side of you, that part that you and God know. Some people call it the spirit. But if you look in the Bible, it talks about the heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart. Romans 10, 9 and 10 talks about if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. So it's not talking about your blood pumping organ. It's talking about your spirit. It's talking about that non-material side of you that connects with God. And there's something that is there, the key to change is having that proactive heart that will change. And in 2 Kings chapter 22, I found what I believe was the best example of this when I searched the Word of God. It's a young man by the name of Josiah. Starting in verse 1, it says, Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother's name was Jedidiah, daughter of Adiah. She was from Bozkath. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. Now, let me just skip a couple of verses here for the sake of time. What has happened? He's a young man. He's king. He's become king, and they decided to clean out the temple. As they go to clean out the temple, they discover a scroll. As they read that, or they bring that scroll to him, they say, Your Majesty, do you want us to read the scroll to you? And he's like, Absolutely. If there's something here, I, I want to read it. I want to know what God has to say. So they read it to him. As soon as they read it to him, it goes and convicts him to his core. Immediately, he gets convicted, and he's thinking, We are doing the wrong thing. Now, let me say this. It's so important that you read your Word of God every day. Because when you read it, it convicts you in the same way that it convicted him. And if you think, well, I'll just read it in church, I'll just do that. No, every day reading the word of God because it will convict you in the same way that it did with Josiah. So Josiah hears this, verse 11. It says, when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes and he gave these orders to the priests. Verse 13, it says, go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah about what is written in the book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that burns against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written there concerning us. Let's skip down to verse 19. Then God, here's what he says and here's what Josiah does and here's what God says back to him. He says, because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I've spoken against this place and its people, that they would become accursed and laid waste. And because you tore your robes and wept in my presence, I have heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, I will gather you to your fathers and you'll be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see all the disaster I'm going to bring on this place. Now, here's the key in this story of what's going on. Josiah, here's the truth. Josiah responds to the truth and God says, well done. Here's the first thing he does. He humbles himself. And if we're going to be people that will change before we have to, we have to humble ourselves. And Josiah was king dressed in fine robes and wore purple because purple was a sign of royalty. And so he had a lot of clothes, a lot of great things going on. And the Bible says that as soon as he hears this conviction, he tears his clothes. And he's basically saying, my heart is open before you. I know, God, I dress up things. I know, God, I try to put on a, a good image to people. But really, in my heart, I'm humble. And I will do what you say because I have a humble heart. And if we're going to change before we have to and be that type of person, we've got to say, I'm going to be humble. How many know pride comes before the fall? All right? Even Disney has got this figured out. You know, pride doesn't work. Humility is good. Pride doesn't work. And, and here's the problem. We are so stubborn and we are so prideful and we just do what we want to do. 
And the reason we don't change before we have to, but we wait until because we have to, is because we admittedly are very prideful people. Doctors even talk to us about this. They say, uh, hey, if you want to get better and you want to do this, take this medicine, take two a day, do these exercises, do this, and then we leave the doctor's office, and what do we do? We don't do it. We don't do it. We think, well, I don't know, I'll go Google it. I'll see what, you know, if there's a better opinion on there, and uh, I'll see if I can have my own remedy. Even though the doctor has more knowledge than us, a lot of us don't do it, and they call it non-compliance. Because we just do what we want to do. Pastors have that. We're like, hey, do this, do this, do this. People leave there. And they're like, ah, yeah, I don't want to do that. That was work. I, don't, I think I know better than the pastor. I know better than the doctor. I know better than these other people. I've never had that kind of heart. I've always been the kind of person that if somebody was an expert, I just was like, okay, you're the expert. I'm going to do what you say. I had major chest surgery when I was 11 years old. They cut me down the middle, rebuilt my whole chest, did this whole deal. And uh, every couple hours, they would come into the room, and they would, you know, go ahead and say, all right, you got to breathe, and you got to do this breathing thing, and it hurt like crazy. Every time I'd see the nurse, I'd just see the nurse walk in, and I'd just like, oh, I'd brace myself, because it hurt like crazy, but I'd go ahead and do it. And after a while, the nurse was like, wow, you're like one of the best patients. You never say no to, like, doing the lung exercises after your surgery. I was like, I didn't know that was an option. I... <laughs> Is that, can, can you disobey? I mean, because I thought obedience was what you're supposed to do. I'm humble. You're the doctor. You're the nurse. You know, okay? So when God tells you to change something, what is he saying right now? Change. You know it. You heard it. You, you, you saw the, the whiteboard testimony and you heard it. Forgiveness. You heard it. There's maybe something between you and your spouse. You heard it. There's something going wrong between you and a friend. You heard it. Your finances are out of order. You heard it. And, and are you going to say, God, I, I, I want to do it. I want to I obey you. God, you're not just giving me a suggestion. You're giving me an instruction. God, I'm there. Or are you just saying, yeah, I know better. I'm going to fight the voice of the Spirit. I'm going to fight that, fight that. God doesn't give you suggestions. He gives you instructions. And if you're going to change before you have to, you have got to have a humble heart. Second thing, from this passage, we see that he acted now. As soon as Josiah heard it, the Bible says he humbles himself and he gave these orders. He acted right away. How many know that diets that start Monday don't work? How many know that, di well, New Year. I mean, New Year, we're going to go to the New Year. Yeah, it's going to start later. It's not going to be now. I can tell you this, the snooze button doesn't lead to a prosperous life. Monday diets don't work. Someday rarely comes around. And King Josiah gave us a key to change before we have to. And immediately he gave the orders. And you think about this. People were sinning and the list of sins that they were doing, they were doing everything wrong. And Josiah is confronted with this huge list of things. And he didn't go, okay, which ones do the people really like? Which ones do they really like? Let's grandfather those ones in and let's kind of ease our way into change. He doesn't do that. He says, all of them, right now, stop it, change. We're going to humble ourselves for God, and we're going we're to give the orders right now. Procrastination is the enemy. We are going to change right now. And he goes and does this. And I'm going to tell you this, procrastination is your enemy. There are things that you're saying, well, I'll wait for the perfect opportunity. You know, when that person comes to me, and if they're wearing the right thing, and maybe they say a keyword, then I'll, I'll, I'll do the forgiveness. Or maybe someday, you know, after I've really prayed about it and told everybody my true feelings, then I'll go and change it. No. Now. 
Procrastination is the enemy to change. So Josiah is giving us that. Even, even infomercials know that. They're like, you know, call now, operators standing. How many know that, right? I was watching one of those once on Thanksgiving, you know, it was like after Thanksgiving, I was up late, you know, and I was watching, and I was like, you know, operators standing by, and so I went and did it, and I bought 200 knives. Why? I don't know. And uh, the next day, I'm like, hey, hon, how's it going? You know what I did last night? I, I, I bought 200 knives, you know, and she's like, what? You don't even have a knife. You don't have need for one knife. Well, I, I was like a deal, and I thought I could sell them, and she goes, yeah, you better. You better. <laughs> So my motto, I was walking around, I was go, buy a knife, save a marriage. So I did that and kind of went around, but it was, it was right there. It was like, buy now, right now, the little countdown clock. Do it now, do it now, do it now. They figured it out, do it now. And yet those of us that need to change something way more serious, we just, we add time to the clock, add time to the clock, add time to the clock. God's saying, act now. Third thing that Josiah did, key, and I want to camp on this one for just a little bit. He had a responsive heart. In verse 19, it says, because your heart was responsive. Because your heart was responsive. And we're going to talk about what does a responsive heart, what does it mean to have a responsive heart? Because we're going to, first of all, have to be humble. Then we're going to have to act now. And the key is to have that responsive heart. And I want to point something out. I read verses 1 and 2, not just to point out that he was 8 years old when he became king. But in verse 2, it said, He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. And the writer of 2 Kings was actually quoting Deuteronomy. Because Moses was telling the Israelites, If you're going to have a king someday... And you, you really don't need a king, but if you ever have a king, he needs to be one that won't turn to the right or to the left. He needs to be somebody that's so tuned into God that when God says stop, the king stops. When God says go, the king goes. When God says right, the king goes right. When God says left, he goes left. And he can't exempt himself from all the rules. And he can't think he's bigger just because he's king and because he's powerful. He's got to stay submitted to God. And people that are powerful, you need to hear this. Maybe they call you CEO, CFO, COO, manager, department lead, whatever. You have a, a, a level of respect don't exempt yourself from the rules. And, and they were saying, you can't do this. This king has to not turn to the right or to the left. And it's a great example that they're saying, Josiah was the kind of king that listened to God. He did exactly what he was supposed to. He didn't turn to the right or to the left. It's a responsive heart. It's doing exactly what God tells you to do. Now, just for a minute here, parents, you've got to help develop this in your kids. One of your key things is to develop a responsive heart in your kids. You have to help them to hear the voice of God. You have to help them so they can discern that, so they can know yes and no, right and left. That's a key thing. I can remember when I was uh, 12 years old, I wanted to go to a birthday party uh, with some friends. And uh, the movie they were going to go see was a bad movie. And I knew it was. It was a teenage movie. It wasn't like R, but it was, I knew it was a bad movie. It just, I knew it was going to have some flesh scenes in there. But you're 12, and all your friends are going, so you're thinking, I, I want to go. So I went and told my parents, and said, you know, I want to go. And they said, well, why don't you uh, go ask God if you can go to the movie with your friends? And I wasn't getting anywhere with them, so I thought, all right, I'll go see what God says, you know. So I prayed a prayer like this. I said, okay, God, you know how I want to be a witness to all my friends, you know, and, and you can't witness to them if you're not around them, you know, and, so I was thinking if I went to the movie with them and that if there were any bad parts, I could talk to them about the bad parts and everything and, you know, and clarify why they're bad and everything, kind of do that. And I was wondering what you were thinking. How many know what God said? He's like, no. 
I was like, okay, because I really want to be a witness, a strong, I'll be strong, I'll, I'll shield my eyes, you know, I'll do it. And he's like, no. And so I came upstairs to my parents after praying in my room, and I said, you know, God said no, and, and I'm not going to do that. I'll probably see if I can connect with them after the movie and go for pizza. And they said, we're glad, we're glad. And they said, we knew he'd say no. I said, well, <laughs> why did you send me into my room then if you knew he was going to say We just wanted to see if you'd hear it, they said. We just wanted to see if you'd obey Okay? Now, they did tell me that later with my younger brothers, they had to keep sending them back to the room, you know, over and over and over. It's a responsive heart. A responsive heart that says, God, whatever you love, I love. Whatever is important to you is important to me. Whatever burdens you burdens me. If you say right, I'll go right. If you say left, I'll go left. If you say stop, I'll stop. It's a responsive heart. That's why it's so important. Second Chronicles 16, 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. He's saying, I want a heart that is fully committed that says, it's after my heart and it'll do whatever I say for it to do. It's an obedient heart. An obedient heart. And one of the things that I love, another example of somebody that just really has an obedient, responsive heart. Josiah wasn't the only one. Another one that has a great example of this is Samuel. Samuel was somebody that had an obedient, responsive heart. And, and the Bible talks about this, that, you know, God called him, and he's like, yeah, speak, Lord, I hear your voice. And uh, interesting, the word for obey in Hebrew is the word shama, okay? Now, I want to point this out. The word Hebrew for obey is shama, and his, his name is Shamael, Samuel, okay? Obey the Lord, Obey the Lord. It's the same word, hear and obey. So his name, Samuel, Shamael, it means to hear and obey the Lord. And so you've got this understanding that he's saying, yes, Lord, speak for your servant is listening. And in the midst of this, it says in 1 Samuel 3.19, the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up and he let none of his words fall to the ground. Now, I want to just give you an example for this. It's a metaphor uh, that the scripture is using. It's saying that Samuel so respected the word of the Lord that when God spoke to him, if this picture is an example or illustrating and representing God, it's saying that when God spoke to Samuel, he cherished the word and he held it and it said he didn't let a word fall to the ground, not a drop. And the example of it was saying just like someone would love and cherish water, Samuel cherished the word of the Lord. And then the Lord said, because you cherish my words, I'm going to make your words as they go out be cherished. Not one word of yours is going to fall to the ground. It's not one word is going to be wasted. When you go out in this world and you represent me, Samuel, because you are so in tune and so obedient with me, there's going to be an authority to your word and not one drop of it's going to fall to the ground. When you speak, people are going to grab it and bring it in. Now here's the problem. We hear God speak to us, and we don't treasure God's word. We don't say, we don't have a responsive heart. We don't say, God, whatever you say, we'll do. And so we're like, yeah, whatever, God. Oh, oh yeah, oh, you spoke? Oh, I'm sorry, I spilled a little? Were you breaking in on me? Because I didn't know if I was going to be obedient. I was going to judge that or not. Think about this. Think about this. We have the privilege of hearing the voice of God, and he breaks into us, and he says, that's wrong. And you ignore it. I ignore it. He says, here's what I want you to do. And you go, oh, I'm not sure if I want to do that or not. I'm not sure. Let me judge that. Instead of cherishing it and saying, God, if you're speaking, 
I'm listening. God, if you told me to serve in that area of ministry, I am there. The God of this universe broke in to speak to you. You should cherish what he says. He says, oh, do you have a heart for the house? Are you going to do this? Are you going to go ahead and pledge something and do something? If God spoke to you to do that, you should cherish that amount that he spoke to you. A lot of us say, well, I don't know, try, I'll think about it. God broke in. And an obedient, responsive heart says, if you're going to speak, I will cherish your word. I will cherish everything you say. God made Samuel's words powerful because Samuel listened to the powerful words of God. Man, it's the key to changing. It's that responsive heart. But let me just explain it a little more because I want to make sure you understand it's really the key. We've got to be humble. We've got to act now. And we've got to have a responsive heart. A responsive heart moves when the Holy Spirit moves on it. I mean, you you just move. You moved. And another thing about this, a responsive heart anticipates and amplifies the whispers of God. Have you ever wanted to hear something so bad that somebody else is saying that you kind of lean in? Don't admit it, but just, you know, kind of, you can identify. You know, maybe they're at a table next to you and you're kind of like talking this way and you're kind of like, mm-hmm. You're like, hold on, just talk a little softer. I'm trying to listen in here. Or if you've ever wanted somebody to say something to you, like maybe you, you know, want them to say something, you want to be around them, and all of a sudden you're like, did you say something? You know, you're like, I know I didn't say anything. Oh, because if you do, I'm there. I'm amplified, ready, listening, you know. That is an obedient, responsive heart that anticipates and amplifies the whispers of God. And the last thing about this is a responsive heart is pliable. It's soft and moldable. Okay, the Bible gives us a couple examples. The Bible says a a bad heart is a stony heart. It says, that's the wrong type of heart. That is not a responsive heart. Matter of fact, Ezekiel 11:19 says, "I will give them singleness of heart and put a new spirit within them. I will take away their stony, stubborn hearts and give them a tender, responsive heart." So God says, "This is the opposite of what I want you to have. People that have this change because they have to. They go to the school of hard knocks and they wait until after the crisis, after their spouse leaves, after the kid runs away, after the heart attack, after it's so far, it's hard to reconcile. He said, this is the wrong heart. But he says, you know what? The heart that I want is a soft, responsive heart. And because I didn't have clay, I went to the modern version, Plato. And he says, you know what? This is the soft heart. This is what I want you to have. I want you to have a soft, responsive heart. So that when I say, you know what? I need you to be flat for me. I need you to be flat. Your heart just goes, okay, God, it's flat. That's what you need me to do. And God says, okay, I need you to be like this. I need you to be pliable. I need you to fit into this ministry. I need you to be round. You're like, okay, God, I'm round. And then he says, you know what? I need you to receive something from me. He says, all right, I'm going to make that, and now I'm going to put something in you. You're like, okay, God, whatever you had for me, this is how I want my heart to be. I want it to be soft and responsive. I want it to be like this. But how many know that just like this Play-Doh needs a little more water? How many know that just life can make Play-Doh, your heart, just kind of crusty? Life can just make it crusty. You didn't, you didn't, you had a soft heart before, but after a while, you go from a soft heart, and all of a sudden, the old crusty shows up, starts coming back and your heart starts looking a little bit more like this instead of the soft way that God needs you to be. He's saying, will you allow me to do whatever I need to do in you and you'll have a soft, responsive heart that I can just move wherever I want it to be. How do you know if you have gotten a little crusty? Here's a couple things. 
you lose your compassion for the sick and for the hurting and those trapped in sin. You just lose your compassion for it. And God says, your heart is getting a little crusty. It's not where I want it to be. You lose your desire to do God's will. Just an apathy. You think about the Bible reading plan and devotions, and you're kind of like, yeah, whatever. You hear new stuff, new ministries, new opportunities, you're like, yeah, whatever. How do you know if your heart is responsive or getting crusty? It's getting crusty if you lose excitement in the things of God. Your pastor's up here and he's saying, hey, we need people to help. And you're like, yeah, somebody else. I've done my time. He's saying, hey, we really want to finish strong. We really want to see heart for the house. We really want to see this, man. We want to go for it. You say, yeah, well, okay, somebody else. Why are we growing anyways? Man, your heart is getting crusty. And God say, you know what I can do? I can pour my Holy Spirit back on you. I can pour my Holy Spirit back on you, give you a soft heart again. Because that's what I want you to have. I want you to be responsive. And if that's you, I'd love to pray for you as we close out the service here, this message. Just to say, Holy Spirit, pour out yourself on people so there can be more water in their life, more softness so they can do what you've called them to do. God, help them to not be so caught up in things that they get hard and crusty. But God, we want to have a soft heart, a responsive heart. I believe that the key to changing is humility, acting now in a responsive heart. And the real key in this is saying, God, right now, Make my heart soft again. Make my heart soft again. So could you bow your heads with me? Here and at the West Campus, if your heads are bowed and you just want to be included in this prayer, you're saying, you know what? My heart is not as responsive as it needs to be. It's gotten a little crusty. I need a little help. I need to, I need to do this. First, before I pray for change, I just want to pray for those that are saying, I need to have God touch me. I need to get my responsive heart back. I need to be soft again. I just want a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit. And if that's you here and at the other campus, could you raise your hands so that I could see it and your campus pastor could see it? Go ahead and raise it. Yeah, that's right. All across the room, there's hands up. I'm sure there are at the campus as well. This is awesome. So God, I pray for those people that have their hands up and they're saying, God, my heart has become hard it's just crusty. Maybe it's not all the way hard, but it's crusty. It's not like it needs to be. It's not as soft and pliable as it needs to be. And God, I'm asking right now that you pour out your Holy Spirit on them, that they'd make it new again. They'd get soft. They'd get refreshed. They'd say, Lord, it, it needs to be right. I want to. And so, God, I pray you'd restore in them the soft, pliable heart that they had. And I pray, Lord Jesus, they know that it's just right now. You're going to pour out your spirit on them, and they're going to get it right. They're going to get it right. Their heart will be soft. Their heart will be responsive before you, Lord. And they can say, Lord, use me. Use me. I want to be filled with joy. I want to be overflowing. I want to have a responsive heart. So I just pray for that, a fresh touch on them. And then, God, as I close, I just pray for this. You spoke to us. It's obvious. You speak to every one of us what we need to change. Some it could be weight. Some it could be our marriage. Some it could be a friendship. Some it could be forgiveness. It could be parenting. It could be a job that we need to quit. It could be a job we need to start. 
It could be getting our finances in order. It could be obeying you in the area of tithing and in stepping to that next level. It could be in the area of serving. But whatever it is, God, I would pray that we would change before we have to. Rather than coming in saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'd love to do it over again. God, I pray that in this church, there'd be a spirit that said, I did it now. I did it before I had to. And I thank you, God, that I could change before I had to. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.